everyone, it's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'd like to dive into a topic that I think is tricky for a lot of us, especially in those single years, and it's entrusting our marriage dreams to God. There's a lot of material out there that kind of helps single women um, solve the problem, quote unquote, of their singleness, go out there and find a guy, get a guy interested in them. And along the way, if we begin to listen to those voices that are out there, it's very easy to start placing our happiness and our expectations in the hope of a romantic relationship. Or if we're already married, wrapping our hopes and dreams up in a certain kind of marriage or having our spouse act a certain way towards us, instead of remembering that Jesus Christ always needs to have first place in our heart. And one of the things that I had to learn in my single years, and God has continued to teach me through the past 20 plus years of marriage, is that entrusting my hopes and dreams to him is always a safe thing. We so often think that we are going to give these precious dreams and desires that we have to God, and he's going to take advantage of us and make our life miserable and do the opposite of what we've always wanted and just sort of laugh with this wicked glee as he sees us suffer. And that's not in God's nature at all. One of my favorite favorite scriptures is Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we've talked about that verse before, but it's been such an encouragement to me to realize that as I delight in him, as I build my life around him, as I surrender my dreams to him, he will place his desires within my heart. And so my desires will begin to match his desires for my life. And he asks me for my hopes and dreams, not so that he can make me miserable, but so that he can bless me because his dreams for my life are so far beyond any dreams I could ever have for myself. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. That is so true when it comes to clinging to romantic dreams for our hope and our happiness. We end up serving that dream as the primary master in our life rather than being fully surrendered to Jesus Christ and serving him as the primary master. And so he often needs to walk us through a season where we lay those hopes and dreams at his feet and put him in his rightful place. And he fulfills our dreams and desires. He shapes our dreams and desires as we surrender to him. One of the first times I had to learn this lesson in a very practical way was before Eric and I were married. And it was right in the beginning of our relationship being formed. And I had a lot of insecurity about whether this relationship was really going to go the distance. Was Eric going to lose interest in me? Was it all going to fall apart? Because God had done so many beautiful things between us, but I was still having a hard time really trusting that God would see it through faithfully all the way to marriage. And Eric was away at missionary school, and it was very hard for us to keep in touch with each other. This was back in the days before uh, tweeting and texting and Facebook and cell phones even. There were cell phones, but they weren't very easy to use. And so we only talked maybe once a week, and we would have these scheduled times when he was supposed to call me usually from a payphone from his missionary school base. And it was a short conversation, but it just gave us that opportunity to connect. And one night he was supposed to call me, but he didn't. And my mind was filled with all kinds of reasons why he might not have called. Maybe he was losing interest in me. Maybe he had another girl had you know got his attention. I had all of these scenarios in my mind. And I remember sitting out on my back porch just feeling really dejected and really anxious about the whole situation and wondering what was going on and really began to 
pray and just say, God, I'm feeling completely miserable. I'm agitated. I'm depressed. I'm confused. I can't seem to be at peace. And God really began to speak to my heart and say, the reason that you're so concerned about losing this relationship is because you're clinging to it far too tightly. You begin to build your hopes and your dreams around this relationship instead of around me. And you begin to find your happiness and security in a man instead of in me. And that was kind of surprising to hear God say that to my heart because I had already surrendered everything to Christ a few years earlier, and I had given him the area of relationships. I had given up pursuits and ambitions and popularity and dreams and desires, but even in my relationship with Eric, I was reminded that surrender is not something that just happens once and you're done. It's something that needs to happen every day. That's why Jesus says we must take up our cross daily and follow him. And as God began to speak to my heart in that moment, I remembered the story of Abraham with his son, Isaac. He dearly loved and treasured Isaac as a miraculous blessing from God. And God had promised Abraham that through Isaac, his descendants would be established and all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Abraham fully expected to see God's promises fulfilled as his son Isaac grew up and had children of his own. And then something completely unexpected happened. After God had given Abraham this good and perfect gift, he asked him, to surrender his son back to him. It says in Genesis 22, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. You can only imagine how confused Abraham must have been. Why would God ask him to sacrifice his only son after everything that had been promised concerning Isaac's future? And why would God give him a son in his old age only to ask for him back again? How could a loving God want him to do something so heartbreaking? And I can't even imagine the amount of confusion and disillusionment that he must have been walking through, and yet he chose to obey. Just like Mary of Bethany, who willingly poured out her most precious possession at the feet of Jesus, Abraham willingly raised the knife over his son Isaac to sacrifice what was most precious to him as an act of surrender and obedience to God. What caused him to obey with that kind of trust in God? He had his priorities straight. Isaac was important to him, but God was even more important to him. Abraham demonstrated his complete consecration to God by his willingness to give up everything that was precious to him in order to put God first. God spared Isaac's life and provided a ram in the thicket for Abraham to use as the sacrifice in place of his son. And he told Abraham, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And I began to really ponder that story as it related to the struggle that I was going through. And I began to awaken to the fact that even the good and perfect gifts that God gives us, like a love story, like a marriage, all of these dreams and the desires that he begins to fulfill, they need to be continually surrendered back to him. Instead of selfishly clinging to the gifts that he gives us, we need to hold them with an open hand. Otherwise, the blessings that we receive in this life will become more important to us than the one who gave them to us in the first place. We need to remember that no matter how beautiful and good something might be, it should never take precedence first place in our heart. That position is for God alone. And I remember that night asking God's forgiveness and freshly surrendering that relationship back to him, laying my romantic future at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, 
not my will, but yours be done. And God definitely heard that prayer and did not bring heartache, but actual blessing into my life because of that decision to freshly surrender. Through that experience, I discovered that letting go of my grasp upon my own hopes and expectations and letting God have his way was truly the safest place to be. There was no safer place for my hopes and dreams than at the feet of Jesus. And that is true for every area of our life, whether it's singleness, whether it's marriage, whether it's hopes and dreams that have nothing to do with relationships, the safest place for those dreams is at the feet of Jesus. Jim Elliott once said, open my hand to receive the nail of Calvary as Christ was opened. He thought heaven, yea, equality with God, not a thing to be clutched at. So let me release my grasp. That is such a powerful statement, especially coming from a man who willingly gave his life for the sake of the gospel. Surrender isn't really a topic that most of us like to apply to certain areas of our life, especially the area of romance and relationships. It's difficult to offer our time, our money, and our future to God, but when it comes to romantic dreams, we often cling to those desires with a death grip, and we spend a lot of time and energy often trying to justify our self-gratifying romantic pursuits than truly surrendering them to God. But we need to remember that in order for a love story or a future love story to be God-honoring and Christ-centered, we have to hold it with an open hand. Our relationship with God must be more important to us than any earthly relationship. And I've referenced before in the last few episodes, uh, Sabina Wormbrandt, how she had a happy life with her husband and son, but she put Christ even before those things. And God honored her for that, even though it came with a significant cost. Women throughout history and even in persecuted countries around the world today willingly risk their families for the sake of the gospel. I think of Elizabeth Elliot, who risked her life by returning to live with the Indians that had killed her husband in order to reach them with the hope of Christ. And Sabina Wormbrandt, who allowed her husband to be imprisoned for 10 years and didn't try to stand in the way of that in order to protect the glory of Christ's name. Corey Tim Boom is another great example. She and her family put each other at risk in order to protect Jews during the Holocaust, and many of them even died in the process. What an amazing testimony our lives can be to this world when the glory of Jesus Christ matters far more to us than even our own life and our personal dreams and desires. So let's look at some ways that we can cultivate a surrendered heart, especially in this area of relationships. One of the most incredible statements I think Christ ever made was this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. The same Bible that tells us to honor our father and mother and respect our husband and love our children is saying that we cannot follow Christ unless we, quote, hate our own family members. That verse used to really confuse me until I started to take a deeper look at it, and I began to realize that God is reminding us here not to place anything above Jesus Christ, not even the good and perfect gifts that he gives us like marriage and family. It's obvious from the rest of scripture that he doesn't actually desire us to hate our family members in a spiteful, sinful way way, but it's also clear that we are never to put a higher priority on marriage and family than we do on Jesus Christ. 
And like I've said before, during our single years, it's tempting to idolize and idealize marriage hopes and dreams, thinking we'll finally be happy once we meet Prince Charming and settle down. But this is a dangerous mindset because it keeps us from finding the perfect satisfaction in Christ that he intends for us to have right now. And if we expect marriage to solve the deepest needs in our soul, we'll be placing unrealistic expectations on our future husband and harming our marriage in the process. When we're in a relationship with Christ, we have everything we need for happiness right now, whether we're married or single. Now, of course, God puts a high value on marriage because it was his idea in the first place. The majority of us are called to be married, and there's nothing wrong with the desire to be married, preparing for marriage, or even taking steps towards a relationship with someone as God leads. The problem comes when we place our marriage dreams on a pedestal, putting our contentment on hold until that season of life finally comes. When you're already in a relationship or marriage, it's tempting to cling tighter to that person than you do to Jesus Christ. God calls us to love our husbands and our children, but he calls us to love Christ even more. If we ever need to make a choice between God or family, we must choose the same path that Sabina Wormbrandt did and all of those other women throughout history who were willing to sacrifice their own happiness for the glory of God. Our security and our identity must come first and foremost from Jesus Christ, then from our marriage and family or any other dream. When the gaze of our soul does not remain fixed upon Jesus Christ, even good desires can turn into unhealthy preoccupations before we even realize what has happened. Now, we've talked previously about idolatry, but as a reminder, here are a few warning signs that something like a romantic relationship may have too tight of a hold on your soul. The first one is that you can't imagine giving it up. You think, if I lost this relationship, I'd be miserable. If I don't get married, life won't be worth living. Or secondly, you spend more time and energy on that area than you do in your relationship with Christ. Or third, you find more delight and happiness in that area of your life than you do in your relationship with Christ. Now, it's not wrong if a human relationship brings a level of joy and happiness into your life, but allow Jesus Christ to remain your deepest source of satisfaction. A great way to know whether you're really finding your fulfillment in Christ is to ask yourself the question, if this relationship or this romantic dream were suddenly stripped away from me, would Jesus be enough? And that is the question we've talked about before on this podcast, but it's something we need to be grappling with every single day. Fresh surrender every day, taking up our cross and following him. So if marriage dreams or any other dream has claimed more of your affection and focus than Christ, I encourage you to ask God to change your heart, to freshly surrender this area of your life to him and remember where the deepest source of fulfillment is truly found. There is no better place for your most precious dreams than the nail-scarred feet that were pierced for you. Remember, as you delight in him and build your life around him, he gives you the desires of your heart. He is faithful. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to live that surrendered life, visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have on building your life around Jesus Christ. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.